Hello, and welcome to Shelf Confidence, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association that focuses on trends and innovations in the food and beverage retail industry. I'm Liz Kemry. I'm your host. And today, I have the opportunity to speak with Seth Weaver, Director of Business Development at Ken Weaver's Meats Incorporated. Weavers of Wellsville is an associate member of PFMA, and today Seth and I will be talking about the shifts in product demand and product trends as people are spending more time at home. Seth, thanks so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. So first question is, can you share a little bit more about Weaver Services and what it is you do for the company? So Weavers of Wellsville operates uh, three businesses. We have a small butcher shop in Delhi in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. We also are a smoked meats manufacturer under the Weavers of Wellsville brand name. We make bologna, sausages, some different Pennsylvania Dutch type recipes. And then we are also a food distributor for perishable items to independent supermarkets, farmers markets, and specialty stores throughout Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, parts of Virginia and West Virginia and the DC area. My role in the company is a little bit of everything, but but my main focus is growth and business development, finding new geographic areas, finding new products, finding new customers within our current geographic areas, just anything to keep the company growing. I hear that when your name is part of the company that tends to come with the territory, you sort of get a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, some days I'm the janitor, some days I'm, I'm the <laughs> fill-in CEO, so... And you guys invited PFMA out to your return to in-person food show in Harrisburg this year. So that was fantastic. It was a great experience for me. What are your goals for a food show? And can you, for people who aren't familiar with what that is, can you just sort of share a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so we invite all of our vendors. We, we deal with about 100 perishable vendors. And usually for our food show, we, we get a response from between 40 and 50 and it's an opportunity for them to set up a booth with uh, one of two things, either great pricing on products that we're already carrying or new products that they would like to get in front of new customers. Our goal, our, our stated goal for each of our food shows is to find three significant new customers for each vendor and to find three new product lines for each customer who shows up. A lot of times you can put paperwork in front of people, you can talk about products, but until, until they're in a room to see it, laid out in front of them, try the product, taste it, see the packaging, all the attributes of it, and even put a face with the manufacturer behind the product. It, things don't quite resonate until they're able to do that. So we host our show at the Red Lion Hotel in Harrisburg each year. And each vendor has a, a table, a little eight foot by eight foot area. They can put up all of their signage, their promotional materials, cook whatever they'd like and get in front of our customer base. It was really neat to see just the variety and to, you know, again, as we kind of come out of 2020, meet people face to face and sort of get to know their products, get to know what drives them and all that. So to get back in person and back in, in the same room with products, with people, you know, how did this show in 2021 change or, or how was it different from past years that you've held it? So the actual day of the show turned out to be surprisingly similar to past years, but the lead up to it is where there was a lot of change. Uh, we start planning our food show just after the holidays. So we started in January while we were still limited to, I believe at the time, gatherings of 10 people or less. Mm. We had no idea whether or not we would actually be able to have an in-person show. By the time we began plan planning, there were approved vaccines on the market. So we had a good feeling that we were going to be able to have an in-person show. 
but we had to plan the entire thing as a possible virtual show. So in years past, it's just been an order sheet and everything as far as displaying product happens at the show. This year, we reached out to all of our vendors and asked them to put together a short elevator pitch video about their company. We asked them to get as much information as we could onto a digital platform. Last year, we did a digital show and it just did not have the same excitement. It didn't have the same amount of people trying new products because they weren't seeing the products in front of them. So we found it beneficial with, with the videos to actually show everyone you can read about hill and valley cakes, but until you actually see it in front of you, it's not, it doesn't make an impact. So, so this year's planning was focused on allowing the show to be completely digital while hoping Mm -hmm. that it could be in person. The day of the show turned out to be, like I said, surprisingly well attended. We were planning on lower attendance, possibly just due to staffing issues in the supermarket world. A lot of people find it difficult to stop working in the middle of the day and come to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to to visit our food show. It seemed that a lot of the customers see the value of looking at new items, see the value of the deals that were being offered. And and they found a way to make time to be there to hopefully grow their business. That's great. Well, and you had said you had about 50 vendors at the show. I think that was accurate for this past one. I think there were just about 50 people or 50 Mm -hmm. vendors. They were representing everything from, you know, bakery and deli to meats, uh, seafood, and other categories as well. And when you look at the vendors and the products that they were offering, how would you say that what you had at the food show mirrors some of the things that you're seeing in like product trends right now in food retail? Well, I feel like the pandemic has really accelerated and everyone in this industry has seen it. It's accelerated trends that were already happening. Uh, one of the biggest ones is labor saving. We saw companies who I'll use bakery as a great example, because in our customer base, we still have a lot of scratch bakers. There were large bakeries who like to do everything from scratch. who were starting to ask about things like uh, pre-deposited muffin pucks, which is a little dough puck. Like you might find with a cookie. Um, uh, gosh, what's the cookie brand that had Pillsbury that you would buy in the store that you break apart. And rather than actually mixing up the batter and making a muffin, you drop this puck into a cup, bake it up, and it goes. There was a huge focus on thaw and sell bakery products. There was even a focus on thaw and sell kitchen products. We have a brand called Gourmet Boutique who creates a lot of homemade-looking items that can just be prepared by thawing it out or by putting it in a microwave. So, for instance, one of their best-selling items is a fully grilled chicken, and people familiar with a lot of the frozen grilled chickens, they have the paint on lines. They're Mm -hmm. kind of pressed into a form. We actually got to tour their plant uh, not long before the pandemic and it is a grill and there is a guy with a spatula standing at the grill flipping this chicken. So it is, it's as real as it comes, but people who might not have been looking at those products in the past were very focused on it at this show. Another trend is safe packaging. So another vendor of ours, Ace Bakery, who's a subsidiary of Western Foods, was pushing some baguettes that would come in a sealed, pre-sealed package. You see a lot of consumers who are a little bit hesitant about something that looks like it was handled too many times. So a fall and sell bread in a package that was sealed at their plant in either Toronto or South Carolina, whichever one it comes from, puts that consumer's mind at ease that it seems to have come from a sterile plant sealed up and the next person that's going to actually touch that product is is the consumer at home 
labor saving and safe packaging were, were our two main trends that we saw showing through this year. Okay. Makes sense. Things that had sort of had a foundation probably, like you said, just accelerated in, in growth in the last year because of necessity, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Have there been other products in the last like 18 months that sort of surprised you that you saw that that took on sort of a, a trend in, in stores or growing requests from buyers? So I don't have as many specific products, but you've seen people start to experiment a lot more with cooking at home. We Mm -hmm. were all forced to spend six months cooking at home. And a lot of people probably got tired of the hamburger helper and the shake and bake chicken, which I never tire of those things, but they started (laughs) expanding their, uh, expanding their horizons. One of the great companies that we had at this show that we, we actually aren't selling their product yet. The show is giving us an idea of what we will carry from them is called Chorizo Cabal, uh, out of Alexandria, Virginia. And what they found, their company was making sliced seasoned meat for taco trucks throughout the Washington, D.C. area and restaurants. Well, when restaurants and events closed down, they had to find something to do with their production. They began packaging one pound packs. And they said at first it didn't really take hold. But as the stay at home orders continued, people started experimenting with new items. So it really became a, a big mover for them. And it really coincided with I'm into grilling and things like that, but there's, there's been a big trend of people buying the flat top grills. So, mm, yeah, you know, so, something you might not have made at home 18 months ago while restaurants were closed, people started you know, messing around with those types of items. Another one that really surprised me, but makes sense is bagels. I have been selling more mm. bagels than I could ever imagine, but I started talking to some parents and, and while schools were closed down or even while people were, while children were going part-time, it's an easy breakfast that can be popped in the toaster, toaster oven, and you, know, you can try different toppings, but it's it's something that a kid can eat every day for breakfast. So we, we've been really shocked at the explosion of the bagel market, but it, I'm sure parents out there can understand it's it's a easy, somewhat nutritious breakfast for the kids. We cook a lot and our, our kids have a little bit more narrow of a palate. <laughs> They're still we've got three boys that eat a lot, but it's a lot of like macaroni and cheese and tacos and, you know, this pizza and all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to expand their palates a little bit. But when you figure you've got as much going on as potentially teaching kids at home two full time working parents, you know, the parents want something that might be a little bit more exciting and different. The kids are like, give me the craft macaroni and cheese. I mean, you got to find a way to make it work without spending, you know, 17 hours in the kitchen and still everybody have like a, a decently nutritious meal. So that's all been stuff that we've sort of been looking at incorporating into our weekly meals. So it makes sense from my end. And I, it's, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see sort of how that continues because we don't really know what the fall is going to bring. To your point about wanting to try something different, that's where I think we're seeing the success of companies like Chorizo Cabal. And we have a flatbread company that has some various flavors that comes completely wrapped, ready to go, called Jacobino's Pizza. People want to try new and different things. But again, they are still busy. Even though we were kind of trapped in our homes, a lot of us were still very busy. So to be able to take a little bit of that labor element out, but still kind of let you experiment with new foods. Seafood's another one. It does, it seems as if seafood in general has accelerated, at least again, in the early parts during the stay at home orders, people are trying, trying to make scallops, trying to make different shrimp dishes. So easy and exotic is sort of the, uh, <laughs> the two main things that are, that we're seeing right now. 
your specialty, of course, is, is in the smoked meat areas, and you've got the bolognese and the sausages and smoked hams and smoked cheeses, which are fabulous. I love what you guys offer. What have you seen change in your offerings at Weaver's? So I wouldn't say we've seen as much change, but again, sort of that acceleration of trends, uh, the snack food industry over the past, I'll say five years, but probably beyond that, I'm I'm, uh, just speaking from my own experience has really grown and we're seeing more of our uh, snack stick and uh, individual portion items are moving much faster than our traditional bolognese on the go. Again, people are, Mm, people are back on the go and you know, a pack of beef sticks so you can throw them in your car for a long drive. You can keep some in the fridge at the office. Uh, but, but yeah, in, in general, we're seeing a move away from the traditional Pennsylvania sweet bolognese, butcher bolognese, things like that, and a move towards the snack sticks. We also launched a new product line. So we're doing six different flavors of sausages for on the grill. And we launched them right as the pandemic broke out. And, and we're seeing a lot of success Again, it's a different flavor that people can try at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just your regular hot dog. We have, for instance, an, an IPA infused beer bratwurst. Uh, we have a Chesapeake Bay sausage, things you won't see in your normal grocery store hot dog case. The USDA is saying that consumers are going to continue to see grocery prices increase through 2021. And they're attributing that, of course, to pandemic buying and supply chain issues. And I think we probably saw the worst of that maybe six to 12 months ago when people were still doing a lot more panic buying and and we did have lots of reasons for supply chain issues. But it's it's still there. We're still dealing with it. Have you noticed like in our area where we're seeing like the largest impact with that, whether on the type of product or or the location of where grocery sales are highest, anything like that? Well, we are seeing an expansion we deal with some discount grocers, companies that might do buyout deals and, and things like that. It's tough to truly say because retail in general has really grown in our area. And particularly, I deal with independent retailers. When you talk about supply chain issues, it is much easier for a company with, say, one to five stores to react to a supply chain issue than it is for you know a company with hundreds of stores. And that's just the truth of the business models. But we have seen a growth in the discount grocers. The companies that are able to be mobile have come out of the pandemic the most successful. What has shocked me, I've been full-time for nine years, and there hasn't been much inflation in food prices through that time period. So I do think that some of these supply chain shocks, when they level out, logically, I would think that it's going to level out at a higher level for grocery prices than, than we've seen. It does seem like every day things get a little bit better. The big issues with supply chain, if I can go off on a slight tangent here, because it seems like we're getting a lot of when it rains, it pours type problems. Mm -hmm. So you already have, you have some labor constraints, you have international shipping issues, Mm -hmm. and then things will happen. Like there was a um, drought on, and I may be not recollecting this exactly, but a, a drought on the palm crop in Indonesia, which caused oil prices to go through the roof. Well, there's already some issues with soybeans, with the international trade of soybeans. So you're seeing things like mayonnaise, frying oil, things that are bases for a lot of your food staples. On top of all this pandemic supply chain going on, there was an outbreak of African swine flu in China uh, while we were already having trouble with the the hog slaughter. So I, I guess to say all in all, I would not be surprised if the USDA's 
assessment is correct that we are going to level off at the dreaded word of new normal of perhaps mm, yeah. a, a slightly higher grocery bill. But there are companies out there who are working to find solutions to that to keep people's final basket ring down. And again, there's there's discount grocers. There are new new cuts of meat that you're finding. Um, people will take something that may have been, I mean, we saw it years ago with things like ribs and wings. Uh, you know, that used to be something you threw out in more recent times. Flat iron steaks is a cut that used to be not highly valued that is able to be a uh, very tender cut of meat that's at a lower price. So I think that the people in the food industry are going to keep innovating. They'll keep keep bringing out something new and exciting for everyone. You know, when you look at what might have been a more normal year for you, I would imagine that there would probably be a, a slower, steadier change in product demand, shifts in, you know, what's popular. And you've probably had to be a little quicker on your toes this year, adapt a little faster, you know, be a little bit more agile when it comes to changing products, pushing products, you know, working with with your buyers and all that. So can you speak a little bit to how your position in wholesale or how wholesale has changed in the past like year and a half? Yeah, for sure. So we are blessed with being a, a smaller company. So we, we agility is probably our main strength to begin with. Um, so a lot of the things that are accelerating, It's not that we're changing our tactics. It's just we have to definitely be on top of our game for them. The biggest thing with dealing with independent retailers, in in my opinion, is just communication. Everybody understands that there are issues with manufacturers. Everyone understands that there are issues with trucking. There's issues with international shipping. But the worst thing from somebody in my position that you can do is allow for the customer to find out about that issue when their truck arrives. We Uh, make it a big point of pride to communicate, even if we don't know what an answer is. Pick up the phone, call the customer and say, this manufacturer is having a delay. I do not know how long the delay is going to be, but I will let you know as soon as we can get to that. There's been a lot of on-the-fly decisions around our, our company. I just remember we sold a tractor trailer load of French fries last year, which is a business that we, we don't even do, but... A company had some extra that were made for a uh, for a restaurant that had closed down. We had some retailers just looking for anything to put into their freezers, and it was, hey, we can make a little money here. Let's let's go for this. Yeah. We actually did a similar thing with. We don't do any grocery products, but Joy Dish Detergent. There was a company we were dealing with that mainly supplied restaurants with paper products, chemicals, things like that. They had too much Joy Dish detergent. There was a point where you could not get Joy Dish, dish detergent in supermarkets. <laughs> so we uh, we were able to uh, you know flip some of those to help our customers out. When trends are accelerating, when there are issues in the supply chain, that the best thing that we can do is communicate. The other thing I, I have to speak to is we have a phenomenal crew, top to bottom, at Weavers of Wellsville. We've actually grown the amount of employees at our company Mm -hmm. by about 30% throughout the pandemic. As things are changing quickly, the best thing you can have is a crew that you can rely on. My warehouse staff, they're just a great crew um, that I can rely on as things change. Uh, I can rely on them to quickly integrate new items. If we have an issue, I can pick up the phone and they're they're right there with, with an answer to everything. So I wouldn't say that our wholesale world has changed. I will say that practices that we've been putting in place for years have really come to fruition as companies who may be a little bit larger aren't able to turn on a dime like we are. 
that's great. That's fantastic. And you're right. It absolutely makes a difference to have a solid crew behind you and a solid foundation where you're saying, you know, that you guys, nobody expected the pandemic, but you guys could kind of roll with the punches and make it work. So that's awesome. What do you see maybe toward the end of, of 2021 that we might see in grocery stores that's that's sticking, that might disappear or, you know, new things that you anticipate coming down the pike as sort of, you know, all of this irons out and, and we do hit some sort of hopefully normalcy? Well, one of the most surprising things for me in the independent supermarket world is how permanent it seems to be to take out things like salad bars and self-service areas. One of my largest hot food self-service customers completely pulled their buffet lines out of their stores. They're believing that consumers are taking a new appreciation for, I'll say, sanitation and cleanliness. And while Mm -hmm. I don't mean that to say that any of these bars were unsanitary, our, our customers do a great job of keeping them sanitary. But in the consumer's mind, the more hands that are touching something, the the more you have to worry about. I mean, we're all walking around with our hand sanitizer, and I know every time you know, every time you pump gas, every time you do anything, there's people with their hand sanitizer out. I believe we are going to see a move away from these sort of buffet line style hot foods areas and salad bars in stores, and towards a service from behind the glass from an actual employee of the store. Which is surprising because the, the hot foods bars have been an area for growth for, for most of my career. That's been a, a huge area for growth. And, and I, I don't think you'll see them go away, but I think that there are, are stores that you'll see make that shift to a full service area. That is the one that to me is the most striking, seems to be sticking. And, and we'll see how it works out. I mean, I have some stores who are excited to reopen their, their hot foods bars, and I think they're going to be successful with that because people want them back. And I have some stores that are closing their bars and I think they'll also be successful because you're, you're, it's a different maybe clientele who might like that interaction with a, a person behind the counter. Um, I know it's sort of ongoing joke about the, the millennial generation not wanting to talk on the phone or not wanting to interact you know, with people. So, so they might not be as drawn to the service from behind the glass and they might gravitate to the stores with the, the hot foods bars. But yeah, we'll, hmm. we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Anything else uh, like uh, in that area that you wanted to mention? Well, as the audience is PFMA, I do want to say how impressed I am top to bottom in the industry at how people are sort of slugging it out throughout this pandemic. I'm seeing competitors of mine who are doing the same things we are working around the clock. My sister is with Ahold Delhaze in supply chain, so I can only tell you the amount of <laughs> conversations her and I have had trying to have oh, their yeah. hundreds of stores keep up with where they need to be. But I mean, from the large companies like Alhaud Delhi is down to the small single operator butcher shops. I've just been very impressed to see how people have innovated throughout the pandemic. I've watched caterers become take-home meal assemblers. We've watched restaurants with their cocktails to go and with their different mm-hmm. uh, cooking nights, you know, the chefs getting on and doing the Zoom calls and sending, you know, pick up these ingredients and we'll, and we'll make this at your home for as dreary and, and as, as horrible of a time as these past 18 months have been my, my bright spot is how impressed I am with other people throughout the industry and how they've risen to the challenge and risen to the occasion and been able to keep the customers happy uh, in a time when we really don't know what's happening day to day. Yeah, very, very true. And the creativity is, is really fantastic. It's an exciting time, I think, to be just in food retail in general and to sort of see all these new advances. So 
Uh, so that's a great point. And yes, absolutely. Kudos to our, our retail and associate members who are making it happen. Um, thank you so much for your input and in all this and for sharing more about what you guys do. Thank Soon. you for having me on. Tune in in two weeks as I welcome Sarah LaFollette with Utz Snacks. We'll cover the new normal of snacking as shoppers search for quick but healthy snacking options. Thanks for listening.